With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome inside this week's episode of A Call Away. I'm Adam Giardino, radio broadcaster for the scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders, the New York Yankees AAA affiliate, and the Rail Riders keep chugging right along through the middle of July and darn near close to the trade deadline as we record this. scranton Wilkesbury last week had a successful week, certainly at the start, against the Columbus Clippers and then dropped two of three against the Louisville Bats over the weekend, including a game that featured an improbable comeback with Louisville erasing a 6-0 deficit in the ninth inning using four home runs in the frame, scoring twice in the 10th, and coming away with an 8-6 victory after the Rail Riders had a 6-0 lead with three outs away from a win. We'll avoid some of those highlights, but let's get you some of the others from the week that was. And scranton Wilkesbury came away with a victory on Monday over Columbus, a team that entered the Columbus Clippers did with an extraordinarily strong record and roster. Davey Garcia made his AAA debut, went five innings, three runs, all of them earned and struck out six. Sure, there were points where he got hit a little bit. First two batters of the game reached with singles, and he gave up a run. The only other blemish was in the third inning on a two-run home run from Max Moroff. Otherwise, he put his offense in a position to come away victorious, and sure enough, that's exactly what they did with Zach Zayner going two for four with two runs batted in. Tuesday, the Rail Riders won 3-1, and that was a real quick affair and a game that was scoreless into the bottom of the fifth inning. Ryan LaVarnway walked to begin the frame. Billy Burns then doubled, and so there were runners at second and third, ultimately one away as Tyro Estrada came to bat. A one counts, the pitch home to Tyro. Line drive towards right center field, and this will find the gap. LaBarnway scores. Billy Burns waved home. Estrada has second. He wants three. Here comes the relay from Matthias. It's not in time. A triple for Tyro Estrada. And the Rail Riders playing as the Vejigantes tonight. Strike first. Two runs in the bottom half of the fifth inning. He scored on a sack fly by Tyler Wade. Next man up. And the Rail Riders had a 3-0 lead and route to a 3-1 victory. Following day, Columbus won 9-4 against Scranton Wilkesbury, and so in order to avoid splitting the four-game set, the Rail Riders needed to come away with a win on Thursday, and that is exactly what they did. The game was tied at six, going into the bottom of the seventh inning, and there were two outs, nobody on, when Wendell Riho and Mike Ford both walked. Once again, setting the stage for some heroics from Tyro Estrada. A ball, two strikes, the pitch, swing, and a line drive, hook to left field, and it's a base hit down to the corner. One run scores. Mike Ford gets the stop sign at third. He holds there, but this is a Rail Riders lead. 
RBI double, Tyro Estrada. He cruises into second, and it's 7-6, granted Wilkes-Barre. That proved to be the difference in a 7-6 victory. Estrada, the game-winning double in the bottom of the seventh inning. So the Braille Riders take three of four from Columbus. We look to Friday, and that was the real downer for the Rail Riders when Louisville hit four home runs in the ninth inning. It was just the second time since 2000 that Louisville has had a four-homer inning matching the franchise record, and boy, what a time it came for them in the ninth as they scored six times, tied the game to force extras, and won 8-6. But earlier in that game, the Rail Riders got a pretty big swing from Zach Zayner. A ball and a strike. Zayner swings and flies one in the air to right field. This is hit well. This sends Aquino back at the wall. He leaps. It's gone. It hits the top of the wall and gets out for a grand slam. This one nothing game here in the seventh has been blown wide open by Zach Zayner. That was the sixth grand slam of the season for Scranton Wilkes-Barre, and that has set a new franchise record for a single season. The previous record of five was set in a year prior to the Yankees organization affiliation, back when Scranton Wilkes-Barre was an affiliate of the Philadelphia Phillies, the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Red Barons. On Saturday, the Rail Riders bounced back with a victory. They won 5-4 over Louisville. And Sunday, the rubber game, Louisville came away with the 7-4 win, ultimately grabbing a 7-1 lead in the sixth inning and not looking back. So the Rail Riders, they finished the week 57 and 43, 14 games above 500, and five games up for first place in the IL North Division over the Buffalo Bisons with 40 games to go in the regular season. As the Rail Riders turn the page over to the new week, Cameron Mabin joins the team in Columbus, and after a four for five performance with a homer and a double, Adam Marco had a chance to sit down and chat with Cameron, asking him, among other things, how it has been for him as a member of the New York Yankees this season. He's a guy that has played in so many different organizations throughout his career. And that's where we begin with Cameron Maven. Uh, I feel pretty good. Um, extremely thankful that uh, you know I was able to um, heal well, heal fast, and now I'm just excited to, to get back on the field. Last night was fun just to get back out there and you know, play the game that I enjoy playing so much. Um, you know, especially getting hurt when, uh, when I feel like I was, you know, just starting to come on or, you know, playing pretty well. But it's a part of the game. And, um, you know, just like last night, it's high, not, not how, how hard you fall, but how high you bounce. So hopefully I can continue to, um, you know, pick up where I left off and, and continue to have good, good at-bats. Very first pitch of the game, single through the left side. Next pitch, we get a double. Two pitches later, the Rail Riders have – a 3-0 lead on the Tyler Wade home run. Yeah. You've seen a lot of these guys with you these last couple of months in the majors, so there's got to be a little familiarity coming down here to Scranton Wilkes-Barre to rehab and having Frazier and Wade and Estrada and Higashioka yeah. and Ford. I mean, these are big league guys you've played with this year, right? Uh, absolutely, and, and then even coming down here, um, you know, very impressive to, to see the – Intent, um, the energy that they they're continuing to bring. You know, um, you know it's not always easy coming down here. Um, you know, when you get, you know, a taste of the big leagues. But I, I definitely commend those guys for each and every day continue to uh, stay passionate, um, stay diligent, in, in the work that they're putting in. And, and you saw it last night; it's really really paying off. And uh, it was fun to be a part of, and, and, and fun to um, you know see these guys doing well. Home run in the sixth inning. 
everything feel good on that home run trot? <laughs> yeah, when you get to jog, everything always feels good, man. But it was just, it was really good to get out yesterday and square some balls up. Um, you know, I was really, really starting to feel some things on my swing before I got hurt. And uh, last night, it was, a, it was a great test for me to just feel like I pe- picked up where I, where I left off. And, um, you know, it definitely does a lot for the, for the confidence. So, um, but whenever you can see the ball go over the wall, you know, that also helps the confidence a lot. So I'm just going to continue to try to, you know, square the ball up, hit the ball hard, and, um, and make sure I'm ready when, whenever, I, whenever I head back. After the home run, you're working your way back to the dugout. A little bit of a hug watch there. Everybody you've, you're walking past, is that your thing or is that something you picked up on very quickly here? Yeah, I'm a hugger for homers. Whenever you hit, hit homers, I love giving hugs. So uh, usually I'm giving them out, so it's cool to kind of – get you know reciprocate you know some of those hugs on the other end it was nice man to uh to be on the other end of it so hopefully we can keep that going the more hugs you're giving good things are happening that's how i look at it so uh we had a lot of hugs last night hopefully we can keep that going again tonight talking with cameron maben with the rail riders on a big league rehab assignment you spent 14 games with the columbus clippers you spent a little bit more time than that in the indians organization before the yankees picked you up on a trade i noticed you were talking to tony mancelino and it wasn't a whole lot of time around these guys but seems like you built a very good rapport in a, a relatively short amount of time yeah you know i think um it says a lot about you know the organization here. I, I thought for a short amount, short period of time, you know these guys do a great job of developing their players and and uh, putting the right staff staff around players that you know guys are confident uh, confident in playing for. Uh, I think Manzo is one of the best that I played for in a long time. I think he's going to have a long career managing. Um, and again, I just think that's that's me. You know, that's my personality. I've always been a guy who is uh, very charismatic, outgoing, and. Um, I seem to make a lot of friends in places that, that I go. So it's, it's, uh, I think it's just a, a testament to how I was raised and, and the kind of person I am. But I uh, definitely have a lot of friends still over there, guys that I talk to throughout the season, uh, me and Brandon Barnes and, and Bobby Bradley and, and, and Flo. Um, we're always talking, you know, always checking on these guys and, and seeing how they're doing and, and wishing them well. And, and, and they've done the same. So uh, definitely a great group, uh, a great group of guys. And I, I, I'm, I'm happy where I am now. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't trade my, my, my situation for anything, but uh, definitely make some really good friends over there and, and a lot of guys I have a lot of respect for. 42 games for the Yankees, hitting over 300. You were picked up on a trade, what, April 25th by New York, Brian Cashman. We're near the trade deadline, and I'm not going to ask you to put any names out there, but have a little fun with me here at the end. What do the Yankees need to acquire for August, September, and October? Just a position. Where do you think they can bolster what they've got at the big league level? Well, that's, that's tough, you know, because being in the locker room, uh, from a player standpoint, you know, we have so much confidence confidence in the guys that we already have in the locker room. Um, there are definitely always some guys that you could go get that are definitely, you know, help solidify what we already have and, and kind of bolster bolster the team. I think, you know, you can always always use pitching, um, especially when you have a bullpen like ours who, you know, those guys have thrown a lot of innings and, you know, it's always nice to kind of give them a break uh, with, with another good arm. So um, Cash, you know, he strikes me as a guy who never sleeps. Um, so I'm sure he's doing everything in his power. He showed that he's one of the best GMs for a reason. And, you know, I think uh, the organization, the players have a lot of trust that, you know, he, he'll continue to make great moves that are going to put us in a position to, to you know, uh, you know, achieve our main goal. And that's winning the World Series this year. We've got a confident group uh, with a lot of humility, but a lot of confidence. So 
I like what we got right now. I think we could do it what we have right now, but you know, uh, it's always nice to get some help, man. There's some guys out there that I think I, that teams are eyeing, and um, whoever comes in that locker room, I think we got an amazing culture that they've created, and I think whoever comes will, will fit right in. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back inside a Call Away, and it is time for Broadcast Banter, the weekly segment where we welcome in Adam Marco, the voice of the Rail Riders, to chat all things AAA with us right now. Welcome. How you doing? Doing well. It's a pleasure to be here. Happy to be along for another Call Away. Thanks. Cameron Maven is headed back to New York as we speak, and we have had a chance to see Cameron for three days. We heard the interview you had with him earlier in the week after his four-for-five performance on Tuesday. Just what's, what's your takeaway from him, the person, and what we were able to see on the field? A very refreshing perspective, first off. Easy to talk to, easy to have the conversation that we had, and we were able to laugh a little bit about some things that have gone on and being a part of this team, and the wealth of riches the Yankees have talent-wise in their organization Maben added to the Yankees system in April thanks to a trade from Cleveland for cash considerations and that's not to slight the Indians the Mariners the Marlins that he played for last year prior to this but I think he really appreciated the caliber of players that the Yankees have enough so that it's trickled on down to the AAA level And it was guys that he knew from his time in New York, those 42 games that Tyler Wade, Clint Frazier, Kyle Higashioka, Daniel Cameron, Mike Ford, all those guys that have been up in the big leagues for a minute or a couple of weeks or a couple of months. I think that made the transition for Mabin, even just on a rehab assignment, easier for him to come in and just be accepted into the clubhouse so very quickly. But it seems like he felt as if in the three games that he played for Scranton-Wilkes-Barre that he had a lasting impact on this team and that he wants all the credit in the world no matter how much success this team has this year. Played three games. They won them all. I don't know many other players this season that can honestly say that. (laughs) And that if there is a ring in the future of the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, there better be one with Cameron Mabin's name on it. I don't think those are quite how the rules play out, but I'm sure we can work something out. So Maben joins the list of a bunch of other guys. You'll have to get a Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge, Aaron Hicks, Didi Gregorius. All those guys are going to get uh, championship rings if that's the case. They also rehab for the Rail Riders this season. One of the guys that y- you mentioned in that list of players, of people who helped make that quick transition for Maben down here a little bit easier, more familiar faces, Clint Frazier. And we've talked about it a couple of weeks leading up to it, but now we're leading up to the trade deadline. The, week, the deadline is a week away, so... I guess, what is your last gasp thought on on how this thing could play out for Clint Frazier and the Yankees? I don't disagree with what Maben said at the tail end of that interview. I think the Yankees could be in the market for pitching. You can never have too much pitching. And maybe this week they can't have too many outfielders. They need Maben back so Gio Rochella can stick to the infield, not that he played poorly by any stretch. I think that's where you'll see the Yankees make moves because you're going to get – 
Giancarlo Stanton back. You're going to get healthier across the position player perspective, and you have the talent you do down in AAA. And that doesn't mean I want to slight the pitchers we have down here, but I think they can still go out. They can get maybe not a front-end starter. I don't know if they need that, but they can get a 2-5 through in the rotation, a 3-5 through in the rotation, maybe grab one extra arm for the bullpen because you don't necessarily know the health status of Dellen Batances and Luis Severino, what their status is, when they're going to be back, and how will that play into your chase for the postseason, which they're in a really good spot. But you're not just trying to get there. You're trying to win it. You're trying to avoid what happened to them last year. So I think that it wouldn't shock me one bit whether it is a big name or even just a mid-tier name joining the Yankees in the rotation or in the bullpen, those moves wouldn't surprise me. I don't think they go all out, need to get an ace. I think they have a few guys that can fill that role. And it's also one guy every five days. So anything they can do to boost every day, which is why I think the bullpen might be a possibility, why I think the rotation might be a back-end kind of starter, I think that's where the Yankees might be able to make some moves that affect their postseason fortune. One part of that that I would be interested in your take in then is what are you seeing right now from Frazier in terms of how his play has been in terms of you know what scouts are now starting to see because they've trickled into PNC field. They've followed the rail riders wherever they've gone because they're trying to get an assessment on a potential guy that you're giving up a lot from your organization to get this young outfielder. So what have they seen in the last week? They've seen in the last week the best that Clint Frazier has played since he came down to AAA. Whether or not there was any hang-up in his mind coming down and getting back into game activity, it took him a while to really find his groove. The same groove that he had with a 280-plus average and 11 home runs during his time with the Yankees. It took us a while to get there. Whether or not it coincided in the fact that we were playing Columbus, the AAA affiliate of the Cleveland Indians, when he really started to hit his stride, the organization that drafted him, that traded him away, I don't know how much of it belongs on the Columbus Clippers and the motivation of proving to the old organization and your current organization that maybe a new organization might benefit from your skill set. I'm not really sure how much stock I want to put into that. I think it's just kind of ironic how it played out against the Columbus Clippers, more notably than any other team over the last three or four weeks. He's Adam Marco. I'm Adam Giardino. We're here on Broadcast Banter. And after talking Cameron Maben, Clint Frazier, Yesterday, we had a little bit of a scare on the field with Ryan McBroom, somebody that Yankee fans aren't intimately familiar with yet. He's not on the 40-man. He hasn't made his big league debut. But the numbers for McBroom have certainly spoken for themselves, not just last year, but especially this year. He was an all-star in the AAA. 317 average, 18 homers, 43 runs batted in. He's been dynamic for Scranton Wilkes-Barre. And uh, for a while, at least when what we saw happened... We weren't, we weren't sure of whether we had seen the last of Ryan McBroom this season, and based on what we did see and what we've heard since, it seems like we're only going to be without McBroom for perhaps a couple of days. My guess is maybe just one series. I don't know if they would push him beyond that. We're carrying 13 position players right now, so we have the luxury of not necessarily needing him. We want the bat. We want his abilities in the lineup, certainly. The biggest kicker is that 
Mike Ford now has first base to himself these next couple of days. We don't necessarily have a great first base backup option if something happens to Mike Ford. It was a tough play to watch happen as McBroom makes a catch in foul ground. He stumbles basically into and onto the Columbus dugout steps, and the Clippers cleared out of the way to try to let him make the catch, which in hindsight probably should have at least stayed there and braced his fall a little bit. And when he went down, I thought maybe it was the right knee, the right ankle, right leg, that he got it twisted underneath him. Something was twisted, torn, pulled, stretched, anything. Mm -hmm. Just his reaction to it. He was helped down those dugout steps. They didn't take him across the field to the Rail Riders dugout. They took him out through Columbus's dugout because it was the shortest route to get him to medical attention quickly with Darren London, the team trainer. So it was very interesting to me that his reaction versus what we find out a day later, that it was seemingly rib-related. He was laying on the couch as I walked into the clubhouse today. I asked him how he was doing, and he said, doing fine, and should just be a couple of days, nothing too bad, which McBroom is a very easygoing guy off the field. I don't want to speak that way about his competitive nature, but very friendly, willing to have a conversation, throwing information out there like that, pretty much unprompted. It was just, yep, it happened right here up underneath my arm. Like, okay. Yeah. A couple of days and I should be back. And that's the best news for the Rail Riders. The only thing that could have been better is seeing his name in the lineup card the very next day. Which we fully expected that wasn't the case. And again, we wondered whether we had seen his name in a lineup card for the last time this year. But not placed on the injured list, right. which is great news. Very, very good news for Scranton Wilkesbury. Very good news for Ryan McBroom. And it'll only make the Rail Riders stay that much stronger down the home stretch as this calendar gets ready to turn over to August. Before the calendar even turns over to August, there's been some history made by Scranton Wilkesbury. And we heard it in the highlights at the beginning of this. But what we thought would happen after the first week of the season, 10 days of the season where we saw the power numbers jump and things start to play out, it's come to fruition in my eyes more than we ever could have imagined. With 37 games to go in the regular season, the Rail Riders have already hit more home runs than they have in any other of their 29 seasons in franchise history. Yeah, and it's going to be that way for pretty much every AAA club playing with the new baseball this year. It's affected the offense in ways that I'm sure Major League Baseball, the AAA leagues, anticipated it would, but maybe not to the fullest extent that they anticipated. I don't think anybody could have envisioned home run records being set in July. If it would have been, let's say, mid-August, you're like, yeah, okay. A couple weeks. That's not too bad. Weeks. But you're still a full 40 games, essentially, left in the season when a lot of these records are being set and broken for teams. And I don't see us going back. I don't see any adjustments being made. This ball, from everything I've read, could matriculate down to double A next season. And you could start to see more offensive explosion in the lower levels of baseball rather than, let's wind it back a little bit. It's fun. It helps you run out of home run calls within, I don't know, a month. It is very interesting to see how these games play out. We've seen our club utilize it, the 165, to one of the best records in the International League. We saw Louisville, team we're playing over the weekend, 
they've got one of the worst records in the International League. And what did they do against Scranton Wilkesbury a week ago Friday? They hit four home runs in one inning, matching a franchise record of theirs. So it's it changes the caliber of how each of these games is played that it's not just your home run hitters. It turns line drives into home runs more than it did in years past. So it really changes the complexion of how you have to pitch and how you have to approach each of these at-bats, each of these games. Now to Marco, voice of the Rail Riders, our guest here on Broadcast Banters. Thank you so much for the time. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Looking forward to talking to you again next week. As we talk about home runs, a guy that has never been predicated on hitting them, outfielder Terrence Gore, who the Yankees acquired with an eye on the postseason and with an eye on him being that special pinch runner type down the stretch in September and perhaps even into the playoffs. He's our pregame guest, and our very own Joe Basile had a chance to sit down and chat with Terrence just a day or two after he arrived for the first time in the Yankees organization. Getting settled in well, actually. Uh, the, the team opened me up with open arms. And, uh, I got a couple guys, actually, on this team that I knew, like Billy Burns, because we played with the Royals. So it was a lot easier to bond with the team, Eric Kratz. Uh, also, and uh, so I felt like that was a, a huge, a huge uh, part about getting traded to a new team. And you always wondering, like, is there, is there going to be any friends or mm-hmm. somebody over there to help you through it? So, mm-hmm. I was going to say, did you reach out to those guys immediately after after you found out? Yeah, as soon as uh, Scott Sharp called me and told me I was going to the Yankees, I called Billy and told him I'm on the way. <laughs> he didn't believe me at first, but I was like, <laughs> all right, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, uh, I know you've changed teams now a couple of times. What's the toughest thing for you about coming into a new clubhouse? Is it just that getting familiar with all the guys? Yeah, pretty much. Just getting familiar, trying to fill everybody out. You don't want to be that guy, of course. You don't want to be like obnoxious or something like that. So I stay in my corner, stay in my lane, and uh, get my work done and go from there. You're in the pregame show with Rail Riders outfielder Terrence Gore. And a lot of fans probably remember you a couple of years ago from the World Series runs with the Kansas City Royals. But kind of outside of that, what is your game all about? Obviously a lot about speed, a lot of pinch running in the big leagues. But maybe if fans don't know you outside of that, what can they expect out of Terrence Gore? Uh, just, I'm, I'm going to play hard. I'm going to give it all I got each and every day. I'm not going to be 100%. I don't think any player in that clubhouse or anywhere in baseball right now is 100%, but I'll give you everything I got. Mm-hmm. When you were graduating from high school, you had some big-time Division One offers. You went to a junior college. What went into that kind of thought process? Was it trying to get your pro career started sooner or just a better fit? Or uh, Like I said, I like to follow like players. So sure. when uh, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. there was a guy on the other team, uh, Hardaway, we played them a lot, and I became friends with this guy named DeAndre Tony, and I knew all the scouts would follow him and follow him and follow him uh, where we went. And sure enough, he got drafted at high school. Oh, I didn't. And he, he said, uh, "I'm not gonna take it. I'm gonna go to a JUCO, and then go from there." And I was like, "What JUCO are you going to?" And he told me he's going to Gulf Coast Community College. I was like, "All right." So I went down there and tried out for him, and I made the team. And sure enough. He went down there. He bowled out, did really well, got drafted by the Royals. Sure. And then sure enough, I got drafted by the Royals too that same year, so it was pretty cool. So that was overall, if you could do that again, you you would do the same thing again? Correct, correct, yep. Okay, that, that's always good, yeah, because you, you feel like it was kind of a risk at the time. Did you get any maybe pushback from coaches or, or parents or anything like that? No, my family was all behind me no matter what. They always knew that uh, I had like a certain ability, I guess. Sure. Because uh, speed ran and runs in my family really well. Mm-hmm. I don't know what 
I think it's my dad or something because my brother's fast, so I'm fast. My mom swears up and down she's fast, but <laughs> we'll have to see about that one. But, uh, I mean, it's always raining in our family, and we just take it and go with it. We're here with Rail Riders outfielder Terrence Score, and what, coming into the Yankees, what did you know about them just kind of from the outside this year and, and obviously the situation with them? pushing for the playoffs and being atop the AL East? Uh, I know they're a very good team. I know they got a lot of big-time names on that team, and it was a big market. And uh, it's just I, I honestly think it's a, a good opportunity for me to go out there and just uh, try to win some games down here and even up there if I get the chance. Growing up, who were some of your idols down in, in Georgia? Who, who were some of the guys that you looked up to and maybe tried to model your game after? Uh, that's a really tough question. Uh, cause I mean, I went to I went to a school called Jones County. I mean, it was big, but it wasn't like that big. Mm-hmm. So, and I really, and my dad wasn't really wasn't in my life at all. So I based it off my mom a lot. So my mom was raising two boys by herself. So I really every I would say I wouldn't like I didn't base my career off any other player. I just tried to go out there and play as best as I could. Mm-hmm. How important has your mom been in your life? Just obviously, it sounds like she was the driving force behind a lot of, of what you've been able to do. She was a big part of my life. Without her, I wouldn't be here, of course. And uh, I mean, she just kept kept t- telling me to push, push through, push through. I remember like, each and every game I played in, you would, I kid you not, I would go to my phone. It would either say you had a you played good, good, uh, you, you had a good game, or either you're good tomorrow or something like that. So each and every day, I expect a phone call from her or a text or something before she goes to bed. And sometimes she goes to sleep before we just go to the time zone. But uh, she texts me each and every day still to this day. Back inside a call away, Adam Giardino with you. And as we wrap things up here this week, it's time to get you our weekly look around the Yankees system. We've got reports from all four levels this week, starting in single A with Matt Dean and the Charleston River Dogs, high A with Nick Flamia and the Tampa Tarpons, double A with John Moses and the Trenton Thunder, and our very own Adam Marco right here in AAA with Scranton Wilkesbury. All right, Matt, take it away. With this look at the Charleston River Dogs, I'm Matt Dean. The River Dogs have gone three and five in the last week, bouncing back from a three-game losing streak to dig themselves into the bottom of the South Atlantic League Southern Division with a pair of back-to-back wins over Lexington. It's Hall of Fame induction weekend across baseball as the sport turns to Cooperstown this weekend to celebrate some of the best to have played the game. This weekend is particularly special for the River Dogs manager Julio Mascara with connections to a pair of the inductees including Roy Halladay, who Julio caught on his way up to the minor league system with the Toronto Blue Jays. When he first came with the Blue Jays, and, you know, we, we knew each other for a long time, so it was, it was good to see him get over there, you know, to get to, he was, he was a Hall of Famer, and, you know, we knew us, and he was young. He was, he was some, some of the most amazing talent that I ever seen from a pitcher as a young age. He was so serious all the time. It was special because he was always ready to attack hitters. He was so smart. In a 13-year career that included 12 appearances in the big leagues, the native of Panama took what would be his final at-bat of his big league career, facing the most iconic pitcher from his home country. Like you say, I faced him, got to face him one time. We were in Milwaukee, and my man I said, Julio, you're going to come ahead. And I look up, and then boom, and I know who was coming in. And I spoke to him prior to the game in BP and about in practice, and he goes, Julio, I'm going to throw you a fastball. I said, what are you talking about? You, never, you don't throw no fastball. Your ball never comes straight. So he did give me some fastballs, but it was those, you know, famous cutters that he had. So I ground out, and it was fun to fi- finally face him. With this look at the River Dogs, I'm Matt Dean. With the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Nick Flamia. 
Last night, right-hander Jansen Junk made his second straight piggyback start, entering in relief with two outs in the fifth. The 23-year-old retired 13 of the 15 batters he faced, yielding one hit and one walk while tallying six punch-outs over four and a third scoreless frames. Junk picked up the win after Tampa broke a 3-3 tie with a five-run sixth inning and cruised to an 8-3 victory, securing the weekend series against the Bradenton Marauders. After the game, Junk explained what was working for him. You know, just command my fastball to both sides of the plate and then expanding with two strikes with my curveball and slider. Just keeping things simple and, you know, attacking each hitter like it was uh, the first out in each inning. The Federal Way Washington native is 3-5 with a 4.54 ERA in 17 games this season, used as both a starter and a reliever. However, in comparison, Junk has thrived more so out of the bullpen, allowing only five earned runs in 25 innings for an ERA of 1.80. Junk says he's comfortable with either role. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really affect me at all. It's just um, how I prepare, you know, just time differences and that, but I don't really care what role I'm in. There's a little difference. I mean, as a starter, you know you're going five or six at least every single outing. But, I mean, you just keep the same mindset and, you know, try not to let the outside uh, sources, like, affect you. With the Tarpons, I'm Nick Flamia. With the Trenton Thunder, I'm John Moses. The Thunder wrapped up a 3-3 three and three week with a 6-4 win over the Hartford Yard Goats on Saturday night at Arm Hammer Park. The Thunder got a brilliant night in the field and at the plate from shortstop Kyle Holder in the victory. Kyle recorded his third career four-hit game and the defensive play of the season when he made a barehand stab of a liner into the hole at shortstop while falling to the ground and in one motion fired to first base for the final out of the eighth inning. Bristow deals home, swinging a liner toward the hole at short. Holder, nice play to grab it with a barehand. Oh, he got him at first. Unbelievable stuff by Kyle Holder, Trenton's shortstop, with a sports center worthy play to end the inning. Holder spoke about that play and his hot hitting at the plate on the field after the game. That was a tough little read off the bat. I just tried to get to the ball and my leg kind of gave out and the only chance I had was to barehand it. So I just stuck my hand out, went in and tried to get a throw off. Just try to hit the ball hard. Um, it's a good team we're playing over there. and. Just a good collective team win, honestly, to get back on the board in the, in the W column. For the Trenton Thunder, I'm John Moses. With the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. This week, the New York Yankees acquired outfielder Terrence Gore. He was designated for assignment by the Kansas City Royals after his second stint with the boys in blue. Gore, picked up for cash considerations, would seemingly have no trouble joining this Scranton Wilkesbury roster that already includes a few players that he's played with in his career. The, the team opened me up with open arms. And, uh, I got a couple guys actually on this team that I knew, like Billy Burns, because mm -hmm. we played with the Royals. So it was a lot easier to bond with the team, Eric Kratz uh, also. And uh, so I felt like that was a, a huge, a huge uh, part about getting traded to a new team. And you're always wondering, like, is, is there going to be any friends or mm -hmm. somebody over there to help you through it? Fans know Gore as a lightning quick runner, a professional pinch runner at that. Potentially something the Yankees can utilize this coming postseason. Well, what is Gore's scouting opinion of himself? Uh, just I'm, I'm going to play hard. I'm going to give it all I got each and every day. I'm, I'm not going to be 100%. I don't think any player in that clubhouse or anywhere in baseball right now is 100%, but I'll give you everything I got. With Scranton Wilkesbury, I'm Adam Marco. Big thanks to those guys for getting their reports into us this week. And that's going to do it for us. Thanks to you for making a call away yet 
another part of your week. Once again, we certainly thank all of you for tuning in and listening each and every week, keeping tabs on the Yankees minor league system. I am just about certain that the next time we talk to you here on a call away, this Rail Riders roster will look a little bit different. And as a result, the Yankees roster will as well with the trade deadline approaching early part of next week. We will have plenty to report on and plenty to banter about in next week's episode. If you don't want to wait that long to hear us, you can join Adam, Marco, and me 30 minutes before every game with pregame coverage on the Rail Riders Radio Network, the TuneIn Radio app, and the MILB First Pitch app as well. That'll take you right into First Pitch, and the two of us will be chatting Rail Riders baseball and bringing you all of the action the rest of the season. Again, I'm Adam Giardino, and you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Adam Giardino, G-I-A-R. D-I-N-O. Thanks for listening, and if we don't catch you on a radio broadcast this week, we will talk to you again next week right here on A Call Away.